listeners, before we get to this episode of Problem Solvers, here is a word from our sponsor. If you want to understand what the hell is happening in the economy and your bank account, then understanding finance and investing is key. But that understanding shouldn't hurt your bank account, it should help it. And that is why Real Vision has a ridiculous deal. It is a $1 trial deal so that you can see how Real Vision is the place to understand the financial world and the themes that drive it. It is a video on-demand platform that you can watch basically anywhere, mobile, desktop, smart TVs, and more. Since 2014, they've been on a mission to democratize access to the financial information that was largely kept behind closed doors. The stuff that actually affects your wallet, your investments, and your future. As a member, you'll get daily videos and analysis, plus access to more than 3,000 videos from the archives. And guess what? You can join for just $1. Like I said, to get started, just visit realvision.com slash problem solvers. Try out Real Vision for a week for just $1. And if you like their content and their mission, get a year of essential membership for only $199, a 17% discount, and less than $17 a month. Use the promo code ESSENTIALPOD at checkout. And now, on with the show. From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. In this episode, I'm just warning you right now, I'm going to sound pretty dumb about a pretty important subject. Like, for example, I think the average person thinks of AI as a thing that is theoretically very interesting. And what does it mean to me? What does, what does it, it mean, mean to, me? to me? This is the question. I'll be honest, I never exactly know how to grapple with. I mean, yes, we all could define AI in some way. We understand that it is the wave of the future. But for the average entrepreneur, for the person who is just building their business, who hears artificial intelligence can change your business, you think, all right, how are we going to do that? And that is why I was excited to talk to this guy. I'm Sam Ransbotham, professor at Boston College, and I'm a editor at MIT Sloan Management Review for their Artificial Intelligence Initiative. And you also host a podcast about AI. Oh, there's also that, yes. And I host a podcast on artificial intelligence called Me, Myself, Which is just a AI. fantastic name for a podcast. So I had Sam come on the show because I wanted to say to him, basically, look, entrepreneurs are always looking for ways to work smarter, to use the most forward-thinking tools. And occasionally something comes along and it has the words artificial intelligence slapped on it. And it's like, this is going to change everything. Facebook chatbots. Now you can manage all of your customers' needs through a chatbot. And it's AI and people use it. And it's not that good. And it didn't transform anything. And I said to him, what are we really supposed to think? practically speaking, about AI. I think you're pulling punches here. I mean, it's worse than you than you give it credit for. I mean, <laughs> I mean Hollywood has come along and, and shown us uh, all kinds of cool science fiction, which has that word fiction in it, which is, is so relevant there. And it and it's leads us to believe or leads people to believe that these amazing things are happening and possible and, and going to happen tomorrow and maybe happening yesterday. And I think uh, the reality is is perhaps a lot more boring, but at the same time, a little more interesting. The reason I say boring is that I don't think that a humanoid-shaped robot is is what we're all shooting for. 
that's what's nice in the videos that come across our social media feeds. I mean, I have to say, I'm fascinated by these things as well. The robots dancing are cool. The idea that a car drives itself is kind of fun. Yeah, but love it all. Love it all. You know, <laughs> actually, I'm from the South, so I say love her to death. But, well, <laughs> so yeah, the, these are great. But the reality is that a lot of the value from artificial intelligence is not going to come from those sorts of gee whiz things. Or certainly so right, where not right is now. the value going to come from? That is what we are talking about on this episode of the podcast. It's not gee whiz stuff. It's boring. But you know what? Sometimes boring is a lot more interesting because it's more useful. And I would rather focus on things that I can actually use and that you can use than on cool stuff that makes for good social media stuff, whatever you can find that on your own time. So this is another installment of our Future of Entrepreneurship series that I do once a month. I'm talking with Sam about AI and how it is really, truly, actually, eh, kind of boringly, but usefully useful to you. Coming up after the break. If you're bogged down by high taxes, frustrated by expensive real estate, and unimpressed by a dry talent market, then maybe it's time to rethink that coastal city headquarters. And it turns out there's a perfect place to grow your business while cutting costs and finding top talent. It's Ohio. Last year, Ohio was ranked the number one most affordable state and number three in housing affordability. Plus, Ohio's venture capital growth rate was three times faster than California's and five times faster than Washington's, two of the largest tech hubs in the world. In fact, Ohio's businesses have already raised $1.2 billion in venture capital in 2021 alone, and the year's not over yet. So whether you're looking to start a new business or grow an existing one, Jobs Ohio is ready to set you up for success. Visit ohioisforleaders.com to learn more. All right, we're back. Are you prepared to hear me ask a bunch of dumb questions about AI to a guy who is so smart about AI that he hosts a podcast called Me, Myself, and AI? Oh, here we go. But the conversation is super interesting and really reveals where the opportunity is. And we're going to start by picking up with that point that Sam made just a moment ago about how the real opportunity is in boring, not flashy stuff. Let me give you an example. Right now, when you call a bank, one of the things that they want to do is verify that you are you. I mean, yes. you, Jason, you don't want me calling to your bank account and saying, hey, by the way, I'm Jason, you know, send mm -hmm. me some money. So they send you through the the gauntlet. They give you the what's your mother's maiden name, what's your favorite pet, where'd you go to high school, basically all the things you would record on social media anyway. Right. And then can I just say the thing that frustrates me most about that experience is that I go through that and I answer and they ask you questions. again. And then they ask you again. <laughs> Why do they exactly. ask you again? Do you actually have an answer to that? I cannot. Nobody has been able to explain that to me. That's a dark magic uh, that no one no one can <laughs> ever explain why. You know, uh, one of my favorite answers on that when they ask my account number is it's the one I just told you. It's yes. the one I just typed in. Just it hasn't changed in the 30 seconds. Since, That's uh, right. This is it's really it's really artificial unintelligence and <laughs> frustrates me greatly. And and for I don't mean to take you off of this subject, but but I think that Oftentimes, this is what people are confronted with when they are hearing things that are going to be automated. It's that or it's like Siri, which can barely understand you. And Especially if you have a nice Southern accent like I do. I'm sure, I'm sure that it really <laughs> can't understand. Sorry, it at least can understand me, but it can't tell me very many things. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a cool doodad that seems at, at times mildly interesting and uh, oftentimes not. So, okay, anyway, but back to the well, bank. Back to the bank, though. So you can think about using artificial intelligence in two ways there. 
So one, you could have artificial intelligence answer the phone, try to understand your voice, all the things that you're mentioning right there, and try to help you with your problem. Success rates for that are pretty abysmal. I mean, maybe somebody's going to come out in the comments and yell at me, but that's a taking a general problem and trying to, to get AI to understand it. What I think people who are clever are doing is behind the scenes, they're listening to what you're saying. They have you talk to a human first, but at the same time, they're listening to your voice and they're checking. Does your voice match the voice from the last time you called? That's something the machine is really good at doing. That's something you're terrible at doing because you haven't talked to me enough to know what my voice really sounds like. Reminds me yeah. of the check casher at the grocery store. When you sign your you sign your name at the bottom of the check and they look at your signature, like they're going to know what my signature looks like. People are not yeah. going to know what your voice sounds like. Right, right. That's that's a good point. And that, and that is something that I have experienced where I will call uh, my phone company or something and they ask me to repeat a, a sentence back as the password. And that's that seems smart. That's a little bit more clever use. And what's nice about that is that it gets the human working on, you know, they ask you, hey, what can I help you with today? And the human can jump on that general problem of trying to isolate what it is that you're interested in, which is a, a difficult scope of a problem. It's got the machine in the background figuring out things like your voice. It's got the machine in the background figuring out the phone line latency. So you may claim to be calling from California, but if it's showing up like you're calling from around the world with a four to five or six or seven millisecond delay, you can't hear that. I can't mm. hear that, but the machine can hear it. So it's amassing these sorts of clues that are going on to help that agent understand Green light, red light. This person is consistent, making sense. This person is not consistent, making sense. What I love about that is how beautifully boring it is. Yes. It is not interesting in the least, but there's so much value in it. I was just going to say that where I feel you're leading me here is that the lesson is that really good AI exists. It can be very useful. It is completely boring. It is not you dancing with robots. It mm -hmm. is... The, not your car driving by itself. It's not your car by, uh, driving by itself. It is it is minutia. It is security. It is efficiency. And we need to start thinking of this in a way that is never going to show up in a Tom Cruise movie. When you walk into the store and you reach on the shelf and the product you want is there because a giant supply chain has got it there, nobody thinks twice. Yeah, that's right. Nothing about a robot there. Do you think that we're doing a disservice to ourselves and to the very concept of AI by conflating or bundling together dancing, talking robots and self-driving cars? And No, uh, no, no, no. You, get, you have to have these, these interesting things out there because uh, nobody, this is why I'm not in marketing. You don't lead with, <laughs> with hey, this could be incredibly boring. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not the lead. You you need these sort of, let's say, flagship or signature types of things to to let people know to push those edges of technology, so that these more boring things can happen. And I'm not saying that everything has to be boring. I'm just saying that a lot of the uses that are happening right now are boring. Where would you say what's the limit? Where would you say the limit is of of what we're really good at building with AI right now? Like what what is possible? What is not possible? Yeah, so I mean that's one of the fun things about you know, class is that you get to take students through and and teach them through models and have them try to build things and figure out just how very difficult it is to build these things. A lot of things right now are limited by the data we have. We've been collecting data for the last decade about every possible thing that's going on, and it's still a mess. 
I'm still being chased around the internet by a garage door opener that I shopped for about two years ago. Yes. If this if this targeting target ads are so great, why is that thing still chasing me? Well, that's right. I, you know, I have a perhaps controversial opinion, but I will state it anyway. And that controversial <laughs> opinion is that I don't get bothered at all by data gathering from social media because when I look at the output of that data gathering and the billions of dollars spent on it and the extremely smart people who work on it, what I see is mostly a ad that is not relevant to me. That is the great output of all of this data gathering. And if that's it, then I don't see that much reason to be that concerned. Is that a... Well, so let's back up here. What if they're more crafty than that, though? What if there are four ads they're going to show you they're showing you three that are irrelevant just to lower your guard down, but they're nailing one exactly to your interest. Oh, well, I mean, I guess I would say, okay, great. Well, then you've shown me something I'm interested in, and that is perhaps right. valuable to me. We're not going to get free content. We, you know, the, the news that we read online comes from journalists who are working and getting paid and have to you know, put yep. food on their table, too. These things have got to happen, and, and you know, paying for it is... So is a model that's not working particularly well. So it's going to right. have to come from somewhere else. But the point the point that I wanted to see you react to was bringing down to the level of things that people are engaging with or having conversations with or worried about or whatever, which is data gathering, which you just told me a minute ago, just because we have gathered lots of data and we have, doesn't mean that we actually know how to make good use of it. Well, the other part of that is that data gets old pretty quickly too. I mean, uh, um, go back to my garage door example. I mean, the... Yeah. the it wasn't that I didn't want a garage door opener. The ad was great, but I bought one. And so suddenly that's not as relevant as it once was. And you know, we've got lots of examples of how ephemeral data is about, about people and stuff. The thing about these kinds of data gathering, turning into advertising conversations is that they are often coming from the consumer's perspective, which is to say you are the annoyed person who is being followed around with a garage door ad, which I understand. I'm the annoyed person being followed around with whatever else. But I, and you now as well, by joining me on this show, are generally talking to the people who are making the garage door openers and trying to sell the garage door openers. And they want that stuff to work too, right? They, they don't want to harass people. They do want to be able to use data in a effective and respectful, but also, I'll go back to it, effective way. They want to sell garage door openers. So here... We want to, we want to buy a garage door opener. We want to buy a garage door So it's like, there isn't necessarily something wrong here, but what do, we, what do we have to say to the person who's selling the garage door opener? Like, is there a better way to do that? Or is there a better way to use AI to do that? Or is this, this is just the limits of what we have available to us right now? I think the, the answer is, is more, much more subtle and incremental than that. There, there's no sort of one magic thing, you know, and I know that that's the, the way things these work. Yeah, like, oh yeah, here are three things you do tomorrow that are going to change your garage door opener sales. And, you know, it's not coming because it's all pretty hard. It's collecting data, it's getting it clean, getting it accurate, merging it from lots of sources, getting it all integrated into a model. These are just tedious, painful, error-prone steps. And those are, it's not the flashy sorts of things there. That's behind the scenes, again, back to a little bit boring stuff that's going on <laughs> that has to happen to get you, you know, the ads you need to see. Right, right. But I like that you keep coming back to boring people. Here's a question that I get all the time. People ask me, what's hot in entrepreneurship? Where's the, what's the future <laughs> of entrepreneur? Where, where's all the energy? Which is like a meaningless question, right? I, I, don't, I never really know how to answer it. But the answer that I have is that I always say, well, it's, it's the most interesting stuff is happening in boring spaces. Or the, the 
the most visible places are the ones where there there's a lot already there. It's possible that we're at the at the current kind of reach of our technical abilities, which isn't to say that we won't learn how to reach higher, but the most interesting stuff tends to be in like insurance and transportation and just education, just stuff that hasn't traditionally been all that credit flashy. card fraud, credit card. Yeah. It's just super, super open spaces where there is a need and a desire for, for innovation. And, um, well, and you're I, looking for I, things that are happening just tons of times. It can't be these one-off sorts of things. This you're saying is kind of the heart of, of AI yeah. is if you're going to build off these, these big data models, then you got to have data. And you don't get data, for example, you know, people always want to build a model to, for example, you know, tell them about how to acquire a company. You just don't, there are not that many companies you acquire. They're not that, you don't have that volume of data. But with credit cards, you do. We had an episode, for example, with DHL in one of our podcast episodes, and they ship a whole lot of stuff. They pack a whole lot of planes. And the more planes that they pack, they're collecting data on that all the time. They know how to pack planes and they can, They've got some great algorithms for that. So if you're looking for those things where you've got a lot of detail to go with. Well, I want to compare packing DHL planes to why nobody can predict whether or not a book is going to sell well. And the answer mm, Well, is, you're trying to protect humans there. <laughs> because well, humans is tough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Because because it's it's not happening in that a plane size isn't changing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. The things aren't fixed. Most of the factors don't change, but also there's less data. I mean, just the number of boxes that get packed into a plane every day is not the number of books that get released into the world every day. So I imagine, and there are fewer data points to to follow. And so, you know, what's your Songs are to, very tough. Songs are very tough. Yeah. Who can tell what's going to be, hit, be a hit with a song? Yeah. No, nobody has any idea. Nobody has any idea what, what's going to hit anywhere. I mean, this, mm-hmm. is, this is like the great, you know, the great problem. If somebody could figure that out, they would have made a bazillion dollars. But you're so, looking for the peaks there. I mean, yeah. getting back to boring, you're looking for uh-huh. that sort of like long tail peak of like, oh my gosh, this is the super hit. There's a lot of, I mean, that's the whole story of e-commerce for the last 20 years is how much money there is in the, you know, in the long tail. Tell me more about that. Well, you're trying to say, what's the hit? I'm, not, yeah. I'm trying to say, well, what if you make a whole bunch of decent songs? Everybody looks at the one hit, you know, the one Gangnam style type hit that goes big. Well, for all that, there's a whole bunch of songs out there that can, that can be per- perform perfectly well. It doesn't have to be that. You don't have to get that home run every time you swing. Right, right, right. That, that, that's, that, I mean, I feel like we're possibly we're off of AI here, but, um, you know, the reality of book publishing, for example, is that the majority of the money isn't made on the new releases. It's made on the back catalog. So, like, although all the energy weirdly goes into the new releases, and that's there because I, I suppose what you're doing is you're spending a lot of resources trying to ultimately add something to the back catalog. Most things will not. I mean, most things will uh, will come out and they'll fizzle and nobody's going to care. And yet, if you need a, if you want a strong back catalog, you need to keep feeding the back catalog, which means that you need to keep taking these swings and most of them are going to miss. I don't know that there's anything to learn for AI there, although I guess there probably is, which is that if you were to take a cold, hard, data-driven look at how you're releasing things and how people are reacting to things, you might see a different model of success than if you were just driving by anecdote. Exactly. 
And again, you know, the, the uninteresting things. And we had an episode with Chris Cooper from Cooper Standard, and he was talking about how they've improved the lubricant stuff that's going into your brake pad. I don't know, but you're hitting the brakes every day. You're hitting mm-hmm. them over and over and over again, not flashy. Uh, we talked to Porsche, and he was talking about how you know, they're using AI to understand whether or not their doors are sealing well on their mm. car. Well, I mean, you're just driving around all the time with your door. None of those are like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> Sam, I can't believe you, you know, gave me this, you know, awesome example of brake fluids and door seals. I mean, <laughs> don't lead with that when you're t- trying to hype this episode. <laughs> well, what then is your, after hearing lots of examples like that from companies that have used AI in very smart, but completely boring ways. What is your advice to someone who's running a business who's thinking, you know, I wonder if there's something that I'm missing here? Have you seen any patterns in the way that people have approached identifying better ways to understand how they're doing what they're doing and how to find solutions by building AI models? So you use the phrase building AI models. And I think that's another thing that's going on too, is that not everybody needs to build these models. So there's an ecosystem starting up where people are providing those as services. And, you know, to your entrepreneur world here, you don't go to people and say, um, yep, can you build me a house? No, you've got a plumber, you've got an architect, you've got an electrician. You got, I don't even know what all the things you are you, that you have here. But we've we've done this so long as a society that we have specialized roles for this. But somehow when we come over to, to AI, it's like, okay, yes, build me a, build me a model. And, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, I said build, build me a model. I said build a model without really, I, I mean, I couldn't have, if you said, okay, go build a model, I would, I, I mean, I wouldn't have known what to do. I would get my kids blocks. Give me four hours. I'll get you there. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is what I do all the time. What you're saying is, is there's an ecosystem that's coming. Part of the, part of the ecosystem that's coming or ecosystem that's here. It's, it's in process. We're going to take a short break. Developed. When we come back, more of my conversation about AI. Support for Entrepreneur is brought to you by Upwork, where you can build the team that will build your business. With Upwork, you can find top developers, designers, project managers, and more who can start today so your business can succeed tomorrow. Find talent at home or from 180 countries around the world so you can hire the right talent for whatever your business needs. Upwork, the world's work marketplace. Learn more at Upwork.com. All right, we're back. And where we left off, Sam was talking about this ecosystem that's being built that develops tools that make it easier and easier for individual entrepreneurs to have access to the kind of AI tools that can really help their businesses. I mean, you see people developing, for example, language processing that you can use, that the speech processing you can use. I mean, you're you're kind of, unless that's your focus, you don't need to be building that tool to synthesize speech. You don't need to be building that image recognition you can use it from somewhere else. We're going to get that ecosystem built out even further. And there's a ton of places for people to go and build out those pieces to provide services for others. The Lego box that can connect everywhere. Right. So if I'm a smaller, medium-sized business and I'm thinking, okay, how do I bring some some greater intelligence into what it is that I'm doing and how I'm doing it? The answer is not hire some expensive team and build it up but but are there but, but okay great cool now what where do i go or do i are you need there... to work on your consumption side yeah okay so what i mean by that you're you're very focused so far on production side yeah consumption side is important if mm. you gave someone a model of how your inventory was working or how your sales were working or how your ads were working could you understand that model could you understand it well enough to make sense 
And that's what's much harder, I think, for organizations, because it's not just one or two people in the back room with some complicated algorithm. It's everyone in the organization. And that's a much, much, much harder. And where I think people should spend more resources is, for example, getting more people in the organization to be comfortable with using tools, using the output of models, relying on data versus relying on intuition. That's interesting. That's a very human problem. Yeah, completely. Yeah, which is interesting. Exactly. And so it's it, you know, how people are going to use those output of the model. People can make a lot more gains from understanding the outputs of models. You know, flip it out the other way. If you do the you know, most complicated AI model out there, a machine learning model, and you use all the GWIS technologies and you give to your organization and they don't know what to do with it, you might as well have not done it. So there's another part too, and this is a, an infrastructure part, that most places their data is a mess. And mm-hmm. if your data is a mess, then you're not going to get any benefit from the most complicated model or the most GWIS people. you got to get those fundamental things in place. Can you give me some insights there? Like, What should people be thinking about as they look at their data and say, this is a mess. Are they recording it? Are they recording all the interactions with customers? Are they recording them well? I mean, one of the things that we did in our research that Shervin and I, the podcast host, did in our research was we we looked at how people got value from, from artificial intelligence. We found that only 10, 11% of the organizations got significant value from it. But we broke it down into 10, where wait, they... What? 10 to 11% of organizations that use AI get value from it? Get significant value. Significant They're, value. There, there's a difference in significant too. I okay. mean, we're we're not saying no value. There's a lot of value. Uh, I mean, it's there's a lot of value, but people who are getting significant value are going through processes, and those early stages are all about getting data infrastructure in place, getting the people in place who understand these things. Until those are there, you're not going to get further down towards significant value. That's so interesting. It's a relatively known low number, and we were expecting more because we watch the same things you watch. Well, but also because because all those examples that you gave me, Porsche doing this with the doors and the planes or whatever, they also, once you start listing those kinds of things off, I just think, oh, right, there's a million things going on out in the world that I just wasn't really thinking about because I wasn't thinking about it in a granular and boring enough kind of way. But now that you say it, yeah, of course, everybody's using AI. It's real, real smart. But for you to then tell me that a very small percentage of organizations are saying that this is actually bringing significant value to them, that's it's, kind it's of not, fascinating. It's, it's giving value. It's just the magnitude of that value. And I wonder if maybe what you're saying is part of the story mm-hmm. is that you don't measure it in terms of you know, the number of customers that walked in and got you know, the product that they needed when they wanted it. How do you, how do you put a number on that? That may be hard to quantify. It may, it's probably uh, very hard to quantify, yeah. One of the things we talked about the H&M group, one of the things I thought was interesting that they were talking about is, so Artie Zaikami, he was talking about how you tighten the tire. And that stuck with me. When you change the tire on your car, you don't tighten one bolt all the way and then tighten another bolt all the way because you have one really tight thing and then it's going to be lopsided. Instead, every instruction you've ever read says, you know, tighten them all and then go back and tighten them all again and tighten them all. And I think that's where a lot of organizations are, is that they're getting it in place in lots of different places in the organization, once these things are in place, then I think they're going to start to work together and connect. They're going to figure out that department A is doing one thing, department B is doing something, they're doing it better, and then suddenly they figure they can work together. And so you start to get those synergies. And I think when we talk about that 10 or 11%, there are people that have moved beyond that sort of isolated application to more holistic application. Well, Sam, I think that's a great place to leave it. It is a very human and also 
holistic way of thinking about how something that feels sometimes futuristic and unknowable fits into a larger organization. We talked to Google Cloud and they said, you know, they're shooting for the stars, but they're also thinking about the roof too. They know that they've got to make those incremental steps and those things are important. Thanks, Sam. All right, Jason. Thanks for talking to me. And that's our episode. I would love to hear what you think and maybe even about a problem that you solved. You can find me at my website, jasonpfeiffer.com. J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com. Also, I have some more useful stuff for you. I write a newsletter about how to future-proof yourself and become more adaptable and optimistic. I would love for you to sign up. It is at jasonpfeiffer.bulletin.com. Also, check out my other podcast. It's called Build for Tomorrow. In each episode, I take on some belief that we have that holds us back from progress and show you why it is not as bad as you think. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.